1: The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. And now, here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan.
2: Would have been his first in the NHL. Nugent Op gets the assist. Here's McDavid walking in off the draw. Shoots and scores. Short side. And Edmonton all of a sudden is broken it open. 4-1 as McDavid fools Riddick. Beats him five hole his second of the game puts this one out of reach. 4-1, 4-0-1 to play. The Oilers get two goals,
3: 33 seconds apart late in the third period. And that seals the deal against the Calgary Flames. 4-1. The Oilers take this exhibition tilt, a tune-up for the qualifying round series. Both these teams will start on Saturday. My cheesy stat of the night, the Edmonton Oilers are undefeated in July in franchise history. There you go. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 11.25 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. McDavid scores twice. Yamamoto got an early one. And Patrick Russell, who does not have a regular season NHL goal, he had that one disallowed in Vancouver this past season, gets a goal and an assist. He assisted on McDavid's second goal as we bring in Rob. Well, Rob, uh, interesting game, but full credit to the Oilers for about the first 15 minutes tonight. They were far superior off the hop.
4: Well, they won their game in the first 15 minutes. They, you know, they got the two nothing lead, and Calgary's fighting uphill the rest of the way. And when you fight uphill, you can't afford a mistake or a bad bounce, and that's what eventually happened—the bad bounce on the Russell goal. But the Oilers came out flying. Their their top players looked good. Their power play looked fantastic. And the biggest thing, the biggest question mark probably for a lot of people going into this playoff series would be goaltending. And we got a chance to see both goaltenders tonight, and both of them were excellent. Mike Smith made some huge saves when Calgary started pushing in the end of the second and into the third period. Those saves uh, kept the others in the lead, and eventually they were able to build on it.
3: Yeah, Koskinen, it was almost an even split. Koskinen was taken out with 10.02 left in the second period. He made 17 saves on 17 shots. Mike Smith allowed the one goal, 3.6 seconds left in the second period. But he, I guess, would have made the biggest save of the night, and that was the stop on Dubay about 5:20 into the third period. And then Goudreau, with with just over five minutes to go, Rob, I, I thought that was going in the pass across on the one timer on the power play, and he just fired it wide.
4: Yeah, the the Flames had chances. Uh, the, their better players started playing better as the game went on. Goudreau looked better. Monahan looked better. Uh, they got some opportunities, but there there was no bigger save in the game was than the one that. Uh, the back door, I believe it was Bennett, where Smith got across. It was a perfect pass by Dubay. He put it right on the stick. Bennett got it exactly where he wanted to, but Smith got across. If that goes in, it's a completely different game. But the Oilers need good goaltending going into this series against Chicago. Chicago can score goals. They got some talented players. Uh, if you let a, a bad goal in early, or if you, your goaltenders aren't on their game, it, it deflates a team. But tonight we saw that both Koskinen and Smith want to have that starter's role come Saturday afternoon, and we'll see tonight. It's going to be harder for Tippett to make that call because both goaltenders were excellent.
3: Yeah, that is going to be an interesting call. Do we read anything that he picked Koskinen to start tonight's game?
4: I would. Uh, To me, that signals that Koskinen is going to be the starter Saturday. But you and I have tried reading Dave tippett's mind time and time again about goaltending and we've normally read it wrong um, but to me with caution and getting the start tonight I feel that that means he will get the start on Saturday and nothing that he did tonight would have changed that because he was excellent in the the first 30 minutes he wasn't tested a lot early but he was solid and I think that's what they're looking for and the couple big saves that he made uh, where eventually Broberg had to help bail him out a little bit but Koskinen was good. To me he starts on Saturday.
3: Okay, Rob, we're just going to go back to Roger's place here. We have live post-game reaction Mike Smith and Alex on are at the podium.
5: I don't think you're ever wishing for a lot of work, but I think it was definitely a game where um, you know, both guys could feel some pucks and get used to some traffic and you know, some more realistic uh, you know, shots from what uh, you know, a scrimmage with uh, your team is. so I thought both guys were real solid in there and, uh, you know, nice to get kind of the juices flowing again.
6: The next question is from Jason Greger, TSN 1260.
7: Alex, uh, you've been in the Stanley Cup final, of course, you won a cup. This is totally different, the atmosphere in the building with no fans. Can you talk about, like, when goals are scored, h- how this is going to change and maybe keeping momentum swings when you-, you don't have 18,000 fans going crazy after a good cycle or a big hit? How, how much of a challenge is that going to be now that you played a game without fans?
5: Yeah, I, I think uh, we've addressed that as a team. Uh, um, it, you know, it has to come from within. So um, I think we've talked about that, making sure that uh, there's a lot of talk on the bench and uh, keeping our mind in, in the game. So talk about uh, like one goal. You know, those are circumstances that uh, all of us have never been through. But um, I think, you know, personally, I think the teams that are able to manage all that and uh, keep their, their mind in the game are teams going to be successful towards the end.
6: Our next question comes from Patrick Henry of Radio Canada.
2: Alex, I'd like to know: this match, preparatoire a preparatory match. Is rythme...
3: okay? We'll just take a quick break there because we're uh, well. Rob and I wouldn't be able to understand. Mona, how is your French, Rob?
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. I had no idea what he was saying
3: there. We'll uh, we'll jump back into to Smith and Chason, but, uh, the, the chase on, but that chase on Neil and uh, and Caroline maybe like a lot of the Oilers tonight, I thought a little bit up and down. They did. I mean, the Oilers hit a lot in the first 15 minutes too. And Kara at center is interesting here. We've seen him be so inconsistent as a winger. He seems really excited to play center.
4: Uh, I've played both. I played wing and I played center. And I can tell you that when you're a centerman, you're more engaged in the game because you're always around the play. Something's always happening. Sometimes, When you're a winger, you get lost in the play because you can go an entire two, three shifts where nothing really happens when you're on there. And we've seen Carroll get lost in games. The Oilers need a big, strong physical line that they can put out against certain teams to change the momentum of hockey games. That's what Dave Tippett put together that line for. And I agree. I thought there were shifts out there tonight where you could say, okay, this is exactly what you need from them. And then there were shifts out there tonight where you didn't see anything. Consistency, but exhibition game. Don't look too much into it. But I would expect a game against the Blackhawks. The big lines are going to have to be a factor. Yeah, the third and fourth lines when they start playing against the Blackhawks start wearing down the defensemen of the Chicago Blackhawks.
3: All right, back to Rogers Place. Oilers went four-one. Smith and Chase on. Okay, uh, since
5: I've been in the NHL, but I think it's it's the same boat for every team. Every team's, uh, you know, obviously going to have mental challenges with with creating your own energy, creating your own emotion. But uh, you know that's what's going to make this uh, this little tournament so unique and so difficult to win.
6: Okay, we're going to turn it over to the Zoom calls now. We'll start with uh, Ryan Rashad. Uh- Mike, this
8: question for you, um, you know, I just wonder, you know, kind of where your head's at on the, the idea of, uh, you know, the starting net opening night. Uh, we read into lots of different things. Who gets the start? Uh, who's done what so far? Uh, do you read into all those same things the way we do? Is there any clarity for you guys? And, and how do you feel about it?
5: To be honest, it's just kind of one day at a time. And there's no, there's been no indication on who's starting game one. Obviously, both guys want to play um you know i i I really believe that you know i play my best hockey in the playoffs that's that's when you want to play your best um obviously i want to play miko's played well and wants to play also so i think it'll be a healthy competition has been all season long and i think the coach will have a hard decision come game one but i think both guys are going to get the opportunity to, to play in some games it's going to be a kind of a weird schedule and uh both guys are probably going to be needed at some point so i think if we want to make a long run both guys are Are obviously uh, gonna play a huge part in that
3: okay there are no more questions thanks a lot guys all right that was Mike Smith and Alex chase on at the podium at Rogers place and Rob that that's an interesting angle here for the Oilers goaltending And, and Mike Smith said it there that if they go deep into the postseason both guys are going to have to play Dave Tippett gave that clip last summer where he said he told the goalies, I hope you each play 41 games and you each play well. Well, it turned out 39-38 in favor of Koskinen. Obviously, there were some games where one guy was pulled and they, and they both played. So that's the interesting thing. We, we focused on, on game one quite a bit, but I, I think we all know that if the Oilers you know, get going second round, third round, and maybe even the Stanley Cup final, I don't know if it would be an even split but they're both going to play, and that's the opposite of what usually happens in the playoffs, where on some teams you might struggle to even name the backup goaltender.
4: Uh, you're right, and that's uh, it's a luxury and a curse. I, I'm sure that the Oilers would love one goaltender to stand on his head in game one and then just run with him. So I, right now the plan is both goalies are going to get an opportunity until one goalie plays well and he continues to play game after game after game. Um I think that it's a healthy competition. I think the play, Smith talked about it. It's tough. You're competing against another guy for the for the ice, the net, and normally on most teams, there isn't that competition. I mean, you, there's a one goalie that's going to play, and the other guy, he's going to, uh, you know, make sure that your pads are set up right and tape your stick for you. But here in Edmonton right now, neither goaltender has proven to be the number one, and because of that, Dave Tippett. Has options and has decisions to make, but I do believe if one goalie gets hot, they're not going to go back and forth. One goalie will run with it. It's just a matter of which guy it's going to be.
3: McDavid scores twice. The Oilers win the exhibition or the exhibition game. I was going to call it the opener. It's the only one. The exhibition game, 4-1 over the Calgary Flames. You'll hear from McDavid and Bear, also Dave Tippett. We want to. Hear- Hear from you seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the number to both call and text. Overtime open line on six thirty chet.
1: Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is Overtime Open Line. Here's Reid Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
2: Lucic able to backhand it across the Edmonton line. Cassian screaming for a caller, thought he was interfered with. Matt Benning able to collect the puck for the Oilers. See Chris Russell. Oh, we're a redirect off and right to Patrick Russell who backhands it home.
3: All right, Patrick Russell. Hard luck, Patrick Russell. In is the 13th forward tonight. Gets a big goal in the third period. Rob, I'm going to make him the fourth star for White Eagle Homes, built from the homeowner's perspective. With thousands of personalization options, visit whiteeaglehomes.ca. Oilers win it 4-1. And, uh, yeah, he had that goal called off in Vancouver on goalie interference. So this this one won't go as an official stat, but nice to see him score tonight.
4: It was, and I feel bad for the kid. The kid gets a goal and an assist, and he can't get a star in a game. Uh, But you know what I liked about his goal was he didn't quit on a play. I mean, a puck gets dumped in, a lot of guys will just back off, or they'll just slow down, wait to see where the puck is going to go. He went at it. He forced the play, put the puck in the net. Uh, He got an opportunity to play on McDavid's line for one shift, gets a goal and an assist. So uh, I, I think he just continues to show the coaching staff what he's capable capable of doing you know what you're getting from him every time you you and i are huge fans of patrick russell you know what you're getting every time he steps on the ice tonight he was rewarded with a a couple of points and hopefully still got one of those goals left in his stick that he can throw in in a playoff game because i think at some point you're going to see him in a playoff game
3: Mike texting in, he says, if the Oilers enter the postseason thinking they are the team to beat, they will exit early. If they enter as underdogs, they will be tough to beat. They have David Dreisaitl, and goaltending special teams and a good coach, but do they have the mindset? Well, I'll tell you what, Mike. The Oilers have missed the playoffs 12 of the last 13 years, and it's not its not exactly like they they went out and dominated for 60 minutes tonight. I, I, I would hope they... I, I doubt they are sitting there considering they're in in the in the king's chair and need to be uh, need to be knocked out. Rob after after everything. I mean, this a lot of a lot of players have uh, re- you know have never been in the playoffs. We're we're only in for the 13 games they got three years ago.
4: No, I agree. And you got two goaltenders trying to prove themselves. You got uh, both Connor and Leon that want to prove what they've done in the regular season they can translate it into the playoffs. There's, this is a team that has things to prove. There's a confidence about in this team there always has been uh but i don't think there, there's an overconfidence i think this is a, a hungry team and we're going to see on side i do not think there's a better team in the western conference than the chicago blackhawks to set the others up on their way i think it's a team that the others should beat a team that the others can play the way that they want to play and have success against them i think i think the playoffs are set up nicely with chicago being their first uh, uh their first series and then from then on it's going to get harder and harder but no I do not believe this is an overconfident group. This is a group that's led by Connor McDavid. He wants to prove himself every time he steps on the ice.
3: All right, the Oilers take it 4-1. Let's go back to Rogers Place head coach Dave Tippett.
5: Uh Dave, you probably had a list of things that you hoped you would see tonight, you know, special teams, goaltending for sure would be one. Uh can you just kind of take us through your feeling? That's your whole preseason in one game. Uh, how do you feel going on the playoffs?
10: Uh some good, some bad. you certainly had some some things that I uh, I like what we did. I like both our goaltenders. They uh certainly played well. Um a couple power plays were all right. Uh but some work to do. There's some some spots that we uh had to get up to get some of the kinks out. And uh, so all in all, you know, you like to win, but it was a good game for evaluating where we are and um, and some players where they fit and uh, some things we have to work on the next couple of days.
6: The next question comes from Jason Greger, TSN 1260.
7: Dave, I know you're not going to say who your starter is, but can you kind of maybe give us a what you've been looking at tonight? I don't know if you saw anything that was more advantageous from one or the other. They both played well. So w- what's going to be the mindset on what the ultimate decision is on who starts on Saturday?
10: Well, we'll talk about it. And, you know, I've talked about it with you guys. I think both guys will play. Um, you know, the good thing is it's it's a, it's going to be a hard decision but it's it's a decision you feel comfortable with both ways because both guys will play very well. So I like Sheehan play uh, Shean practice today for the first time uh, back again. He'll we have a day off tomorrow but he'll uh, uh hopefully he'll be uh, ready for practice on Thursday. So uh but Hauser Hauser played well. We we played him on a lot of penalty kill tonight. That's an area we think we can he can help us with so he, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just see where Riley is and then see where it goes the rest of the week. But she and uh, and skated today, which was positive.
9: Okay, and I hate to ask a second question, but I've been asked by all the other reporters here. Uh, what did you think of uh, Philip Broberg and why did you decide to play him as the seventh defenseman, as opposed to say Caleb Jones, who played a lot last year? Uh,
10: Jones, he's nicked up a little bit right now, so he uh, wasn't available to us today. Uh, that's why he was scheduled to play and when he couldn't play uh, we talked about all the other defensemen we have and Broberg is the only guy in our camp that hasn't played an NHL game Bouchard's played games uh, Lagason played games and if we got down to the situation where we thought we needed him I would rather have his first experience in the NHL be an exhibition game and with a young player like that i think you could see some of that out there tonight he's a real competitive kid skates very well but uh the game moves quick out there and um uh, it was good to see us get a, get see him get his feet wet um but he's a he's a young player and he's got great upside so that was the what went, went into the decision we wanted to make sure going into the to the uh to the play-in round everybody on our team has played an nhl game and uh hopefully whoever we need to jump into spots uh, can jump in there and do the job for us. Okay. We'll take some questions from zoom. We'll start with Ryan. Rashad.
8: Hey Dave, uh, just wondering if you can comment on what you saw out of your power play tonight, obviously produced, but just kind of overall how you felt. And maybe just discuss a little bit, the, the little competition between chase on and James Neal. They both take turns with that top unit, and, and, you know, what you need to see from a guy to consistently stay in
10: that spot. Well, we're in actual fact, we like the way it looks because it gives it kind of a couple different looks when, uh, when you have the right-hander and the left-hander out there. So both of them can do the job, I think equally well, there's certain times when we're just looking for, for different things on it or, or different setups. So, um, i thought thought it moved well i mean the core of that power play has been together for a few years now so it's uh they they read off each other very well um you know it's not as if we're setting anything new up here where they're really dialed into what they want to try to accomplish but that being said just getting out there and working on it in live situations is uh was good for us we got the one um you know, there's there's some areas that we'll look at it on tape and uh, see some things that maybe we can uh, we can do a little better on it. But uh, for you know the first time in four months or whatever, it was all right.
6: We'll go to Tom Gallitti,
7: NHL.com. Dave, you talked about how the atmosphere was a lot different. Uh, in spite of that, did some of the natural stuff that happens between the Oilers and the flame, Flames Flames
10: kind of happen anyway? Just kind of break through all the the difference, the different atmosphere. You know, it's funny. You don't know what to expect. You're, you know, there's things that you want to work on with your team, uh, but you haven't played in so long. You're playing Calgary, which is obviously a rivalry. Um, I think one of the assistant coaches said it best. He said, "It wasn't an exhibition game. It wasn't a full playoff game, but it wasn't an exhibition game either. It was somewhere in between." and um from a coaching standpoint i was happy for that there's a little bit of emotion in it a little uh, you know some speed some momentum changes things that are uh, things that you want to see your team go through uh, and like i say there was some things that i thought we did well there's some things that we really have to look at and, and improve and uh, if you just have a an exhibition game that's like a shinny game where nobody wants to get hurt or they're just you know it's just to get through it, then you're not going to accomplish as much. I thought tonight there was uh, there was enough competitiveness in it where you can get a read on things, and uh, it'll help us going forward. There are no more questions.
6: This concludes Edmonton Oilers' media availability. Okay, Thank that you. is
3: head coach Dave Tippett here on 630. Chad, Oilers win at 4-1 over the Calgary Flames. Rob, he was asked about Philip Broberg, who was sensational in training camp and in some of the scrimmages. Overall, tonight, uh, I I mean, I thought in the first period he he looked like a guy in his first NHL game of any kind.
4: I agree. I I, I thought as the game went on, he got better. Uh, You know, there's a couple players took healthy runs at him early. They had players giving him a face wash, giving his helmet over his eyes. You know, this is what he's going to expect to to see when he starts playing playoff hockey. So, yeah, as the game went on, he got better, and I think that's an important thing. He didn't cower. Sometimes when a game's a little quick or a little rough early, uh, a player who's inexperienced will just shut down. We didn't see that out of him tonight. He got better as the game went on. And uh, Dave Tippett, as we talked about in the pregame show, they want to see what he's capable of doing in in an NHL hockey game. And they saw that tonight. And I think they're going to feel confident going forward that if they need to go depth-wise, if there's injuries, they feel he can go in there and play because he showed tonight that he's capable of playing at this level.
3: That's our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. 780-496-0063. Robert, thanks for hanging on. We wanted to, to get Dave Tippett in. What's on your mind tonight?
9: Uh, hey, Reed. Hey, Rob. Uh, how's it going? Good. Uh, well, I have... A, I have a uh i have a, a few thoughts tonight first of all i want to i want to talk about broberg i mean you guys just uh just touched on him i mean you know i thought you know like you said though the start of the game he looked a little i wouldn't say nervous but maybe tentative i guess is a better word but you know uh game went on i thought i uh, know i thought uh, i thought oh uh, i thought he looked fine made that made that uh uh, made that one nice save there he uh failed out Coskin in there. So I mean I thought, you know, I think uh, personally you no know, uh uh I agree with Rob. I think it's I think it's uh, one of those things where if uh you know, worst case scenario with duty injuries we need him. He can play. But I think overall I think he looked good. But then I wanna wanna talk about the uh the goaltending tonight. I thought I saw th- I thought uh, Costigan and tonight, maybe, maybe, maybe not have been the busier of the two shots shots-wise, but, but but I but I think both Coskinen and Smith, I think they both uh, came up with some uh, timely saves when they were needed, and uh, uh, that leads me to my final point, which which I guess is a more of a more of a question. You think uh, as the uh, as the playoffs go on, with you no know, do, do do you see? Nuge staying on that top line with McDavid, or do you see at some point Dave Tippett going back to Nuge, Dreisaitl, and uh, Yamamoto?
3: Right. Okay. Thanks, Robert. Rob? Uh,
4: I think I'll just be based on what happens in the previous game. I think that what we've seen with Dave Tippett in the time that he's been here is that if something's working, he stays with it. If something's not working, he's not afraid to change. I mean, you, there'll be times you'll see Leon and Conrad at the same time. Um, I, I think Dave Tippett understands uh, the, the feel of a hockey game. He knows when he has to have certain players in certain positions. So I think the way that we saw the lineup tonight is the way they want to start the playoffs, and they will, but I don't think there's anything is set in stone with the Dave Tippett Hockey Club. He will just base his line matching and, and line combinations on how the game is going and, and how the previous game went.
0: Come seek the Royal Caribbean ships registry Bahamas.
3: One, you'll still hear from Connor McDavid and Ethan Bear, who were both strong tonight. Overtime open line on six thirty. Chet.
1: Oilers hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is overtime open line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6:30. chair.
2: picked off by Monjapani. Here comes Michael Backman. Monjapani, what timer to save on Bennett? Rebound and a sprawling right pad save made by Koskinen. No idea where the puck was. Turned over. Shot. Diving Koskinen makes one save. Second opportunity. What a block by Tyler Ennis. And now we may have a penalty.
3: Yeah, a wild sequence there in the second period. The save of the game for Sentinel Storage Shop Canadian Store Canadian head to Sentinel dot ca so the flames wind up uh, out shooting the oilers 37 30 koskinen 17 stops and then uh, mike smith facing 20 and stopping 19 oilers do win it 4-1 early 2 nothing lead and then Calgary built from there and turned the tables and then the Oilers able to put it away late in the third. Rob, as, as Calgary flipped the ice as it went through the second period, what did you see them doing or perhaps the Oilers not doing as opposed to early in the game?
4: Well, I, I think the Flames started getting the puck in deep and I think that's what the Oilers got away from. I think that the Oilers tried... It's It happens all the time. You get a 2 nothing lead, you're dominating a game, you start to make plays instead of uh, doing what had made you successful. So the Oilers started trying to beat guys at the blue line, didn't get pucks in deep, maybe a couple blind passes uh, that were ill-advised, and the Flames were dumping the puck in and chasing it down and, and getting in and forcing the turnover behind the goal line. And the one thing we wondered about, how momentum would shift in hockey games, there's no fans to, to, to be there for the big goal, the big hit the Calgary Flames kept momentum for quite a while. And it was just a bad balance from having an opportunity to tie this hockey game. Just they, they were embarrassed first 20 minutes. They understood the importance of this game. And I think Dave Tippett said it best, that if this was just one of those exhibition games where people came out and tried not to get hurt, why even have the game then? And I think that's the way that the Calgary Flames played in the first 20 minutes. And the final, well, the next 30 minutes after that, they started to show a little bit of desperation and they started to play as though it was a real hockey game. And the Edmonton Oilers at that point weren't prepared for it because it had been so easy for them in the first 20 and they just backed off a little too much.
3: Yeah, and someone texting in today who watched uh, all three games today, so must have the the NHL package to have, to have watched the Penguins and the Flyers, uh, but saying that that uh, he or she thought this was the most physical and, and chippiest game of the day. Yeah, it definitely wasn't... Uh, Let's just kind of skate around and not block any shots and, and, and not hit each other. They got after a couple of scrums. Uh, I mean, Kachuk was really upset uh, with the kneel slash across the back, and uh, Broberg got the the punch there from Backlund late in the game and, and several other moments as well. So they definitely weren't afraid to to mix it up. Oilers win 4-1. That means a $100 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous, courtesy Ascendant Financial. When the name of the game is life, there's Ascendant Financial. Visit Covered Alberta. Ca. Rob, uh, we mentioned Patrick Russell was our fourth star, Lindholm third star, Bear second star, and McDavid with two goals the first star. we got to talk about Ethan Bear. First of all, uh, a nice touch. He's uh, honouring his Indigenous heritage. He had his name bar in Cree above his number tonight, which was a nice look. But, man, I, I mean, Bear continues to impress, and, and he's so calm, Rob, and he can make plays under pressure, and still start the puck moving up the right way?
4: I used to play with a guy named Yannick and We used to call him No Panic Yannick because he just never panicked when he had the puck on his stick. And that's what Ethan Bear plays like. He'll have two guys coming in on him on a four check, and Ethan will take that extra second to make the play. He, he doesn't get frazzled. He doesn't throw pucks away. He, he just he looks like he's a 10-year pro the way he plays out there. I, I play with a guy named Doug Crossman who did everything deliberate. He never, Nothing ever fazed him. And sometimes you think, okay, he's going to get himself into trouble. Yep. Nope, he just walked himself out of it and made the play that he had to make. And that's what you see with Ethan Bear right now. Uh, there's times you're like, okay, most guys, if that puck's on a stick, okay, it's off the glass and out because guys are coming in on him. He just sidesteps them. Or another thing he's very good at, very uh, deft touch, where he, he changes the angle of the passing lane. So he's got the guy's skates are in his way, so he just pulls the puck back. It's an awkward pass now, but he gives himself a better lane to get the puck through, and he did it two or three times where the the defender, the Calgary Flame forechecker, think, okay, I'm in the passing lane. You can't possibly get by me. And then Ethan Barry just adjusts his body, adjusts the stick, and finds that passing lane and beats the Calgary Flame player with the pass. So uh, he continues to impress. For a guy that we didn't know would be on the team out of training camp, at the beginning of the season which seems like two years ago here he is in the playoffs or or leading up to the playoffs where he's a top four defenseman that on certain nights he looks like uh, a number one or number two so that's the way he's playing and the others are, are, are big benefactors of the the play and the improvement of Ethan Bear throughout this season
3: one more time back to Rogers Place McDavid and Bear. Uh, for, for either one, but uh, I'll, I'll start with Connor. Um, I'm just curious. Uh, you seem like you had some pretty good goaltending tonight. What did you think of, of that in the first game back? And uh, do you envy the decision that Dave Tibbets going to have to make for Saturday?
6: It's a great problem to have. You know, we got two goalies that we really trust. Um, both guys were awesome tonight. Um, Koski started great for us, let us uh, get our legs under us, um, and, and Smitty obviously with some huge saves there in the third to, to keep it a one-goal game. Okay. The next question we will take from Jason Greger, TSN 1260.
7: Uh, Ethan, pretty historic night for you—the uh, first player in NHL history to have uh, your, your name in, in Cree on the back of your jersey. Could, can you just talk about what that means to you and your family, and you know, I, I think many Indigenous people across the country.
11: Uh, yeah, it's, it's very honorable. Um, you know, to it's honorable to the players that played before me, and then. You know, to the young Indigenous kids who who want to play in NHL, and it's uh, you know, it's very honorable for me. And you know, I wore it with pride tonight, and you know, it was uh, it was very awesome.
6: And the next question is going to be from Mark Spector, Sportsnet.
5: Uh, Connor, so it was a pretty quick preseason, and it's over now. We're ready to play playoff hockey. Uh, let us, you know, how do you feel? About your team now compared to you know in March you looked like you had a pretty good team. Now you played one game. You are ready for playoffs? You feel like you got done as much as you could do in one preseason game?
6: Um, yeah. I uh, I liked our first period. Didn't like our second. And I thought we responded well in the third. So and you know, we kind of had all the highs and lows of uh, one game. And and um, you know those are the type of swings you're going to see in the playoffs. So you know we've uh, done our best to, to prepare ourselves and we have a couple more days to do that and we'll be ready to go Saturday okay we're now going to open it up to the callers on zoom our first question will be from uh, Ryan Chirag
8: uh, thanks yeah Ryan Rashad with TSN um, guys I just uh, maybe I'll give you both the opportunity to comment on this just uh, the ceremony that uh, was done before the game to honor Colby Cave uh, Obviously with the building being empty um, must have been a pretty surreal feeling and just just kind of what was that moment like for you guys um, as that was happening.
11: It was, uh, it was very emotional. You know, uh, K is a big part of our, our team and uh, he's just an un- unbelievable individual. And, uh, you know, for us to honor him, it's and to play for him. It's, uh, you know, for us, it, that really digs deep into us. And, you know, it, it really gives us that extra push going into this playoff run.
6: Yeah, like Bears as you said, um, I mean, he's a big part of our group. Um, you know, just an amazing, uh, an amazing teammate, uh, a great guy. You know, we definitely miss his energy around the room. He'll um, you know, smile, um, you know, like lit up our room so many times. So, um, you know, we miss him a lot. And You know, we're playing with heavy hearts, but, um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be fun to play fun. We'll go to TomGolitti, NHL.com.
7: Hey, Ethan, I know it was kind of a different kind of game, a different kind of atmosphere, but was that basically a, a Flames Oilers game with some of the passion? Did that just kind of break its way through in, the, in some of those scrums and everything we saw?
11: Uh, yeah, like, you know, as, as, it, as it is an exhibition game, you, you know, we, we thought we were trying to feel it out, but right away in one you could kind of feel the energy brewing, and um, it, was, it wasn't it was an easy game. Everyone was battling hard, and, you know, with the scrums, you know, we uh, both teams hate each other, and, you know, that's as close as it gets to a playoff-type Exhibition
3: game. All right, the Oilers' best forward tonight, Connor McDavid. Their best defenseman tonight, Ethan Bear. Post game comments: Four-one. Edmonton takes it over Calgary. As we check the Edmonton trailer scoreboard, looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com The Maple Leafs beat the Canadians four-two. And Rob, I'm sure even in an exhibition game on July twenty-eighth, this result pains you the flyers beat the penguins 3-2 in overtime
4: (laughs) it does because i was on too many of those games where the flyers had more goals than us Uh, uh, i don't know if we've given enough credit to the the type of season the philadelphia flyers have had i mean they're 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 a top four seed. i don't think anyone would have seen that when we saw the flyers play earlier in the season they are a team to watch they're well coached they got some good stars and they got a young goaltender from the edmonton area that uh, has given them solid goaltending so as much as it pains me to say it Philadelphia Flyers, I think, are for real. I think they got a very good hockey club.
3: Yeah, Elaine Vigneault, too, an, another feather in his cap. Right, goes to Philadelphia. Has, you know, he's coached in several other teams. He was with Vancouver through all of their big years, where they they couldn't quite get it done. So you, you got to give him credit there for sure. We'll talk about some of the other series here as we move along tonight, Rob. People can text in or call in seven. 80496-0063. Edmonton four Calgary one is your final. We're back after the break. More overtime open line.
1: Live Oilers hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is overtime open line. Here's Reid Wilkins on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chad.
2: Whistled up the right-hand side, and Leon Drysettles centering a line with Ennis, and Yamamoto charges into the zone. Ennis, here's a shot, save, rebound score. Kyler Yamamoto buries it behind Cam Talbot, and Edmonton takes a 1-0 lead in this Stanley Cup Qualifier Exhibition Game.
3: Quick start for the Oilers, just 64 seconds into the contest. Yamamoto scores. Edmonton goes on to win 4-1. Thanks for staying up with us. We're talking hockey. It's now July 29th. The qualifying round starts Saturday, August 1st. Rob, I mean Yamamoto, Seidel, and Nugent Hopkins—incredible being put together, basically in the in the 2020 portion of the season. Ennis with them today. Drysaitel didn't get an assist on that play, but he started it with some work down the right wing, drew a couple Flames defenders, and Yamamoto drives the net. That that line, it, like like many of the Oilers, really good in the first period. Perhaps not as strong later in the game. I know there was one shift. Drysaitel tried to make a play and didn't realize his line mates were changing and looked a little bit frustrated as he, uh, as he went to the bench, but you know, Yamamoto, uh, Yamamoto involved and he and Leon continue to be able to hook up.
4: Well, the the fact that Yamamoto plays so well with Leon has allowed Dave Tippett to put Nugent Hopkins up with Connor McDavid. Um, uh, Connor McDavid, you know, he's hard. He's not an easy player to play with because he sees the game, so much differently than anyone else, and he does it at a speed that no one else can stay keep up to. So it's been hard finding him the right winger. When Leon was having all that success with Nuge and Yamamoto, Connor was having success on the power play, but five on five, it wasn't there. They needed to find someone that could play with him. R&H can play with Connor McDavid and have success because he can think the game well. So with Yamamoto playing as well as he does with Leon and allowed Dave Kippin. Up a, a highly successful line to give Conrad McDavid a little bit of help up on the first line, and we saw them tonight uh, dominate at times. I, I agree with All right, we're, we're Rob, we're losing you early with the Chicago Blackhawks. They're going to have, or any.
3: Yeah, we're losing. Rob, you might have to uh, reconnect there if we can still hear you, but that's okay. We're ironing out uh, some technology here, but I think you got uh, Rob's point there. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, we do have the Japanese Village goal light on 630 chedcom slash Oilers. Japanese Village steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Book at any of their five locations at jvedmonton.ca. Yamamoto scoring early. The Oilers kept the pressure on in the first 10 minutes of this game. McDavid got a power play goal from Dreisaitl and Kleffbaum. The Flames started to pick it up late in the first period and uh, we're definitely the better team in the second period. Some chances early in the third. It settled down a little bit. After that, Calgary did have a, a power play opportunity late in the third period. Couldn't cash in on that. And then the Oilers put it away with late
7: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
3: Polls from Patrick Russell and another one from McDavid. We'll call a quick timeout, overtime open line on 630 Chet.
1: Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is Overtime Open Line. Here's Reid Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630
3: chair. All right, on Faceoff Trivia, we asked, who is the only Calgary Flame to have ever won the R. Ross Trophy? Dreisaitl won it this year for the Oilers. McDavid has a couple. Gretzky has several. Sam knew that it was Jerome Aginla in 0102 had 96 points to lead the league, so Sam gets a prize package valued at 50 bucks to enjoy at Fast Track Indoor Karting, safe, adrenaline-pumping Fund, Fast Track And the Flames are good. this series, Rob. I mean, I you usually uh, have asked a lot of people I've talked to over the last couple of months. Well, what first-round series be, be, besides the Oilers are you most interested in? And I stopped asking because it wasn't an interesting question because everybody in Western Canada is probably going to say <laughs> Flames and Jets, old Smythe division teams, two Canadian teams, and I, I think pretty close. And, and to me, I was talking about this with Bob on the face show, I think Hellebuck can be the difference, even though the Jets might have some holes in other areas. What do you think?
4: I agree with you. I, I think it's the Jets. Uh, we saw the Jets just before the season ended, and they were dominant in that game in, in Edmonton. I think they got a great team. They got fantastic goaltending. They're a little spotty, a couple spots on defense. But up front, they are deep. And to me, I think the Calgary Flames are in trouble. I think the Winnipeg Jets are a very good hockey club, and I believe the Jets are going to win that series.
3: Yeah, and, and, I, and don't get me wrong. The Flames are good. They have some high-end talent. And I, I think one of the storylines for the Flames, Rob, will be redemption. I mean, they're they're the higher seed last year against Colorado – and it's over in five and you know they had the graphic up on on uh, the sports telecast today some of their top players zero goals one goals you know i think kachuk had two but some of their big guys didn't come through so i, th- I think that's really going to be a storyline for for calgary is this going to be two years in a row of, of disappointing performances by their big guys or is this the year they say okay that was experience and now we know what we have to do in the playoffs
4: I I believe that the Calgary Flames good players could have good playoff series and still not be enough I I just think Winnipeg is a deeper team I thought the last two times the Oilers played Winnipeg, Winnipeg won the one game and then the Oilers I think beat Winnipeg in a game that Winnipeg dominated, I think doubled the the Oilers in shots Winnipeg is good and I think the Calgary Flames are, uh, this is not a good matchup I believe for the Calgary Flames I think they're running into too good a hockey club with a well, possibly the the number one goaltender in the National Hockey
3: League. I think Hellebuck will win the the Vesna. I, I think he was the best goalie in the NHL during the regular season. And I, I don't have if you know Riddick and Talbot, good goaltenders. We saw Talbot here what he can do when he's on his game. And Talbot was he, they they brought it up uh, on the broadcast several times tonight. Jack and Bob, Talbot was better than than Riddick in in the second half of the season tonight. I don't know if one guy really emerged if it is a battle between the two. Um, Talbot was busier, so I don't know if that will factor in the decision. All right. For apparently Rob is speechless that I brought that up. <laughs> That's okay. All right. I'll tell you what. We're back at it and we're having fun and we appreciate you tuning in and staying up with us I I know a lot of you have been waiting for hockey to return, waiting for any sort of sports to return and uh, there's obviously a lot going on in the world but we hope we can provide you with uh, a little bit of a distraction and some good times and hopefully it's a good playoff run for the Oilers. Big, big thank yous to Mike Evans, Grant Ranson and Sean Alford, our engineering department here at 630 Chad they have worked incredibly hard in recent weeks setting up our temporary studio for jack and bob to call the games from troy bowler our game day engineer he was back tonight good to see him thanks to kellen kennedy our studio producer this evening who's uh, rolling with some new technical requirements so kellen thank you very much for adapting 630 ched.com globalnews.ca to get more our next game broadcast is saturday 11 in the morning for the face-off show the puck will drop at one game one oilers and chicago blackhawks on behalf of Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Edmonton wins it 4-1. Have a great night.
1: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.